Diego Sotomaranda, you are a law graduate of LSE and twice, yeah. two degrees from LSE and a barrister. Yeah. Uh, but you're not British, you weren't born in Britain. Can you tell me a little bit about where you were born and how you came to live in the United Kingdom? I was born in Colombia, to be precise, a place called Palmyra in the southwest of Colombia. I always tell people it's roughly right by the foothills of the Andes. Uh, it's a small industrial city. Its main produce is sugarcane. Um, I came here in late, very late, 1983. New Year's Eve, in fact, 1983. I was eight years old. I had just turned eight the previous October. And the reason was really financial. My father's family had emigrated here in the 1970s, mid-70s. And by the time I was eight, it was very obvious that I had a major disability of some sort. And my mother and her family couldn't afford the kind of medical treatment they would perceive and would require. So my father's family said, great, send him over. And you conceived the idea of going to LSE Law Department to study law, as you say, you've got not one but two degrees, uh, and then you went on to be a barrister. What on earth possessed you to have such an idea about your life, that you would be a practicing barrister and a graduate of LSE? I always had a knack for questioning sounds. I was never happy with, this is it, and you must obey it. I might say, why? And where did that authority that they thought they had over me come from? Did the study of British law, British public life, the British constitution, did that give you an understanding of Britain that you didn't otherwise have? It gave me a greater more in-depth understanding. But I already had a fairly good basic idea from when I did GCSEs and A-levels. One of my subjects was government and politics, which I loved. And one of my tutors, I had private tutors for GCSEs and A-levels, um, was very politically driven. And I found her very influential. But that means you have to be an educated person in order to understand the Constitution. So it's all very well with you, with your two degrees and your barrister's degree, to be able to say that about the Constitution. But ordinary people don't know where it is because they don't know where to look. That's true, but I would suggest that having it in a simple book wouldn't help them anyway. Because Constitutions in the classic written form, i.e. the U.S. and back home in Colombia, the average person has heard the, the term, but they wouldn't know anywhere to pick up a copy. And if they did, and they started reading, it wouldn't make any sense. It's written in a language more um, useful to a country dead 300 years ago than to an ordinary person 
in the housing estate living in benefits. Well, we're trying to write a constitution that does not mimic 18th century English, but is accessible to people, you say, living on housing estates or people who have relatively less education. Is that a project you think is worth doing? No. I don't believe having a constitution in the form of a single document would help anyone. Because what is good, officially good, today, A, is a matter of debate, and B, 30, 50 years, 100 years from now, it will have become right constitutions of 300 years ago are now outdated and horribly difficult to move with times. If you had the power, is there any part of the British Constitution you would change? The monarchy, the House of Lords, the House of Commons, the voting system, the judges? You could do it. The only thing I would do is take away the royal family's income from the state. I'm perfectly happy for this to live in Buckingham Palace or Barbara or whatever. She wants to live as long as she pays for it. I'm perfectly happy for her to have a diamond tiara as long as she bought it. I'm perfectly happy for Charlie to own mad cruises if he pays for it. I feel that state money should be there and I'm probably I probably have an excellent as they say. But I think it should be there for the welfare of society as a whole.